Church Father Friday. You heard me right. Stay with us. So what are we? What? What? what not Philosophy Friday. Not Philosophy Friday, bro. Church Father my Friday? apologetic series. Yeah, Church Father Friday, because it rhymes. All right. So if you've been tracking with us through the apologetic series, then you are now graduated. Well done. And uh, <laughs> you should be able to take on anything that comes your way. You have been equipped and you heard it at Two Age Sojourner. And now it's time to broaden the horizons. Now it's time to yeah. just change gears. And um, so Nick and I have had a discussion. And uh, Church Father Friday just rolls off the tongue, mm. doesn't it? So what do we have yes. in mind for Church Father Friday, Nick? So, I mean, I think uh, I think you mentioned Augustine as yeah. one of the guys that we should be digging into. Uh-huh. And um, there's a lot of stuff that is, is, is vital to early Christianity that most people are not exposed to. I'm thinking of the Apostles of Clement, mm, Ignatius, Tertullian, mm. you know, um, just some of the big names that uh, are always thrown around, but we've never read anything they've ever written. Yeah. Um, and then along with that, I think, a, and this is an apologetic angle, um, there's a lot of stuff spoken about with regards to the Pseudepigrapha or mm. the Apocryphal New Testament, yep. so-called books of the Bible that people think should be in the Bible mm-hmm. um, to try and uh, sort of undermine the Bible that we have. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a fascinating period. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I thought it'd be great just to introduce uh, the listeners to how we think about it, how we approach it, um, and just some of the key things that they ought to know about it. Yeah, that's a, it was a great idea, man. I love it. I love every second of it. And I think it, it, it is genuinely going to be helpful. I mean, at some level, it's just it's a conglomeration of philosophy and theology and all that stuff because yeah, and, it digs yeah, right. History. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, especially when you get into Justin Massa and all those guys. But um you know, at the end of the day, uh, what you just said is so important in that, you know, people just haven't been exposed to this, but this is the legacy of Christianity. And there's some truly fascinating stuff going on there. Um, man, it's just the Didache, um, you know, just amazing. A lot of two kingdom stuff, incidentally, um, certainly when you get yep. down the Augustine city of God. Um, but then, you know, the other thing is that uh, certainly the, like what we plan on looking at tonight, I mean, you've got a lot of stuff. Um, you know, Da Vinci Code has just happened. I mean, well, not just happened. It's been a while now. But yeah. that sort of brought to that that groundswell populace the, the, um, the, the idea that, hey, you know, or reinvigorated the idea that actually these um, there's certain books that have been suppressed. And, and you know, you got a whole lot of uh, folk <laughs> theology going on there, which, which would be helpful, I think. Uh, and it's, I suppose that is in the realm of apologetics as well. But, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, just just for the plain old getting getting stuck in some amazing passages, I'm looking forward to this. Um, <laughs> so we've got a we've got a cool we haven't got te- we haven't technically got a father uh, that we're looking at no. uh, this evening, but or it's our evening whenever you're listening to this. But uh, we've got something from the father period. What have we got? So this is a gospel of Thomas. <clears throat> now there are two gospels of Thomas you need to look out for. Uh-huh. There's the one that was discovered in the mid-1900s as part of the Nag uh, Hammadi Library. Yes. This is not that one. No. This is one that um, it's, it's known as the infancy 
uh, Gospel of Thomas. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those apocryphal portions uh, of the New Testament. It's mm-hmm. uh, part of the pseudepigrapha, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, which portrays the childhood of Christ. So what often happens with um, these sort of apocryphal books is they find an angle or they find a sort of a little opening in Scripture mm. that people ask a lot of questions about, mm-hmm. like maybe Enoch and what he would have said, or Noah and how he would have preached, mm. or, you know, what was the epistle to the Laodiceans all about? Right. Um, and uh, what happened during Jesus' childhood mm. is one of the things that comes up. And so this is one of those books that has tried to fill out those gaps, and it's done it in a terrible fashion. <laughs> it's known as one of the Gnostic Gospels. Uh-huh. Um, I was reading recently in uh, Burkauer in uh-huh. his uh, in his book, The Person of Christ. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things that he does in that book is he tackles all the docetic tendencies mm. with regards to the um, the doctrine of Christ's personhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, docetic tendencies is any tendency that tends to magnify the deity at the expense of the humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the Gnostics tended to do that. Yeah, the, the word comes from, uh, it, it Doc- seems, oh. yeah. Which means Tokyo. that it, so modern, modern pronunciation, right? <laughs> Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I didn't miss the whole O's. You know, it feels weird. But um, yeah, I mean, just to anything that would seem to present the uh, humanity of Christ is is was underplayed, um, especially because you know, I mean, the the Greek, especially that proto Gnostic stuff, uh, leading yeah. into Gnosticism. I mean, they already just had a great distaste for anything of the humanity of Christ or the flesh in general matter. And so, yeah, all sorts of funny things. And I, I will see a lot of that come through in this uh, infancy gospel of Thomas. Yeah. So there's probably a few big words that people have just heard for the first time. The one is pseudopigrapha. Yes. So this comes from two words, uh, pseudo, which is false. It's a lying pig, right? Epigraphe, which means ascription or title. Right. So, totally. Yeah. So cool. you have the false title. And so often what happens is that this is the tendency is you find a famous name mm-hmm. and you write something wrong in their name to try and get to get a hearing for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that's pseudepigraphic works. Right. So this was not written by Thomas. This is definitely not written by Thomas. <laughs> Thomas was in India at this point, wasn't he? Oh, if you accept the acts of Thomas. Yeah, sure. To, to go from one pseudepigrapher to another. Yeah. <laughs> So the earliest, this, so this is quite an early book. Yeah. Um, the earliest quotes that are found are in the sort of the mid to late second century, mm-hmm. where uh, two works from that time uh, talking about heresies actually quote from this particular um, gospel. Yeah. Gospel. Hmm. Yeah. Now, just um, again, Gnosticism in general, most people know this, but just this was the big thing. Certainly by the time you get down to uh, the first and second epistle of John um, and and just really, you know, everyone's the, the Gnostics, along with the Judaizers and the heresies there uh, were the two big things, I would say, that, that the New Testament authors were warring against toward the end of the New Testament and uh, started to, to encroach. And so... Um, it's a relevant heresy because it sort of tends to circulate and and come back in various forms. If you, mm. uh, Peter Jones, for example, has recently um, 
<clears throat> when I say recently, probably, a, you know, like what, 10 years ago now, uh, <laughs> <Really>? written, uh, <laughs> not that recently, uh, written a whole bunch of stuff on the Gnostic Empire striking back. Uh, fascinating yeah. read about monism and... Uh, Oneism and, and twoism. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's really good stuff. And it just helps you realize that there was a certain level of providence in God um, you know, having the scriptures inspired at this point in history, when it seems that all those ideas were uh, in in their you know highest points of fruition, or or they they were developed enough to to have the New Testament speak to those things that, in such a way that it would just continue to be relevant in, in the way that those ideas kept resurfacing and coming back, and um, and so you yeah. know, although we're looking at an old. Uh, manuscript and something that is utterly heretical, it's totally relevant and has continued relevance for, for theology at every level. Now, one thing to say here is that we are, um, uh, we're reading from, cause you get a few different translations. So if you did want to check this out and, uh, stop the podcast now and just go, if you're online or something, uh, I have actually found a place here where you can go ahead and, uh, read with us. So www.earlychristianwritings.com. Uh, forward slash um, text and then you should see the infancy Thomas uh, thing there or just Google something along those lines and hopefully that'll come up but early Christian writings is a good source there uh, for those sorts of things Um, so we're going to read it through right sounds good well we're not going to read the whole thing it is a fairly short gospel um, but we want to pick out a few key chapters and maybe make a few comments on them yeah awesome cool kick us off man Cool. So it begins by saying, so I'm using the M.R. James translation. This is originally released in 1924. And the reason that's important is because some people will say there's a conspiracy and and Christian scholarship hasn't known about this for ages. Mm. But the earliest church fathers quoted this and rejected it from the earliest days. Mm -hmm. So just to put that, that nut job theory to bed. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. So the stories of Thomas the Israelite, the philosopher, So it is still Philosophy Friday. Concerning the works of the childhood of the Lord. And so now chapter one. Mm -hmm. I, Thomas the Israelite, tell unto you, even all the brethren that are of the Gentiles, to make known unto you the works of the childhood of our Lord Jesus Christ and his mighty deeds, even all that he did when he was born in our land, whereof the beginning is thus. Oh, sounds good. Good start. Good start so far. (laughs) This little child Jesus, when he was five years old, was playing at the ford of a brook, and he gathered together the waters that flowed there into pools, and made them straightway clean, and commanded them by his word alone. And having made soft clay, he fashioned thereof twelve sparrows, and it was the Sabbath when he did these things, or made them. And there were also many other little children playing with him. And a certain Jew, when he saw that Jesus... What Jesus did, playing upon the Sabbath day, departed straightway and told his father Joseph, Lo, thy child is at the brook, and he hath taken clay and fashioned twelve little birds, and hath polluted the Sabbath day. And Joseph came to the place and saw, and cried out to him, saying, Wherefore doest thou these things on the Sabbath, which it is not lawful to do? But Jesus clapped his hands together, and cried out to the sparrows, and said to them, Go! And the sparrows took their flight, and went away chirping. And when the Jews saw it, they were amazed and departed and told their chief men that which they had seen Jesus do. Mm, man, there's a lot going on there. It's like, <laughs> it's like this mishmash of every every biblical concept in, in, in appropriate ways. 
Wow. So, I mean, uh, just, just to highlight how the Gnosticism is coming through. Mm. I mean, there, there are a couple of key things as evangelicals that we want to stress. Mm. So the first thing is this. When did Jesus start to do miracles? The common understanding is that he was anointed as the Messiah to perform miracles at his baptism. Mm. But up until the point of when he was 30 years old, he would have had an ordinary childhood. Mm. He would have learned an ordinary occupation. He would, would have been an ordinary family member. He wouldn't have been walking around with a halo and performing miracles left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Gnostic Gospels tend to downplay that that um, human aspect. Yes. And he's always this undercover God everywhere right. he goes. Right. It's God in a bud is the idea, <laughs> you know? Um, exactly. And it's not the the man who is not accessing his divinity for the sake of man, uh, you know, which is a very different understanding. You got the God man, you know, and it's again, evangelical theology, certainly, but out of the Reformation, you've got this idea that, that if, uh, I mean, this is the whole temptation, right? In the, in the wilderness, uh, yeah. if, if Jesus just, I mean, certainly he could have done miracles, you know, willy nilly, whatever he wants to do. Um, but everything was very purposeful and very, you know, it depended on the power of the spirit and, um, yeah. according to this mission of redemption and according to the law of God. And so, you know, the very idea that Jesus would simply do a miracle accessing his divinity, not being a man as men have walked, um, under the power of the spirit, according to the law is just already, you know, trying to throw a spanner in, in, in terms of what he came to do, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just going right. I mean, it, if, if one of the criteria for assessing any authenticity is just to align it with the rest of the Bible and its theology, um, already just, you're totally, you're on a totally different page in terms of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Yeah. It's Clark Kent Christology. You know, if you yes. shoot Clark Kent with a bullet, you know, oops, he's actually Superman. Right. Bullet doesn't dent. Right, no. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah. and then, you know, even the Sabbath thing uh, is interesting in that, you know, you've got, you could see how they get the ideas from the gospel. You know, at some level, at a very surface level, I was just thinking as you were reading now, you know, you could, you could sort of read this for the first time and go, all right, well, let me assume it's not inspired. Uh, but, you know, is it true that Jesus... You know, or that God, Jesus is God and that God creates birds. Yes, it is. You know, uh, is, is it true that Jesus did things that we didn't understand on the Sabbath kind of thing? Yes, it is. And you could almost take yeah. a very superficial understanding of that and see how add a little mysticism to it and a little bit of uh, uh, this and a little bit of that. And you come out with something like this, but it just it lacks the. The, the substance of yeah. the New Testament. Yeah. It, it sounds very much like the other myths and legends of other exactly. religions. It really does. Their, their yeah. demigods. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, cool. I mean, the, the next two, two chapters, so that was chapters one and two. Mm-hmm. The next two chapters really, I think, are quite surprising because all of a sudden this little child becomes a vicious killer. Mm. So let's 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 read this, and um, you know it's, it's often said that any Christian who wants to test you know all these so-called books that should be in the Bible, just go and read them, mm. and you'll be able to recognize straight away that they shouldn't be there. Right. So let's let's read a portion that just stands out as whoa, yes. cutting against the grain of who Christ actually is. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Do you want to read a chapter? Um. Uh, where were we? Chapter three. Chapter three. All right. But the son of Annas, the scribe was standing there with Joseph, and he took a branch of a willow and dispersed the waters which Jesus had gathered together. And when Jesus saw what was done, 
he was wroth and said unto him, O evil, ungodly and foolish one, what hurt did the pools and the waters do thee? Behold, now also thou shalt be withered like a tree, and shalt not bear leaves, neither root nor fruit. And straightway uh, that lad withered up wholly, but Jesus departed and went unto Joseph's house. But the parents of him uh, that was withered took him up, bewailing his youth, and brought him to Joseph and accused him, for that thou hast such a child which doeth such deeds. And then that goes on the next one. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, read the next one. It All right. gets worse. All right. So we're on what, chapter four. Um, chapter four. After that again, he went through the village and uh, a child ran. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, my eyes are dashing ahead here and, and seeing uh, <laughs> what's coming. It's kind of funny. Uh, all right, let me try and be serious. Um, after that again, he went through the village and a child ran and dashed against his shoulder. And Jesus was provoked and said unto him, Thou shalt not finish thy course. Um, I don't know if your translation says, let go all thy way. Yeah, so it's an alternate translation, right. go all thy way. Yeah. Good. And immediately he fell down and died. But sir... <laughs> But certain, when they saw what was done, uh, said, uh, Whence was this young child born? For that every word of his is an accomplished work. And the parents of him that was dead came unto Joseph and blamed him, saying, Thou that has such a child canst not dwell with us in the village, or do thou teach him to bless and not curse, for he slayeth our children. Hmm. Ah, that's far the reading of the pseudepigrapher. <laughs> <laughs> so as you read that, I mean, does that sound like Christ? Oh, man. It's, you know. It's I shocking, mean, isn't it? It is shocking. And you, you almost think like, yeah, well, there we go. That one goes in the bin, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, we're done with it. You know what I mean? Because, uh, it, yeah, it it reminds me a little bit of when I, when I just became, or actually, yeah, I think I just became a Christian. And someone gave me the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't oh. know if, have you ever seen that? That's that new age thing. That new age one, yeah. I mean, I didn't know anything. I, I was like, thanks, bro. You know, this is great. Awesome. More about Jesus. You know, I'm a fan. <laughs> and it was weird. I mean, I'd been a Christian for like, I, I'd read, okay, I had sort of supercharged my walk at that point in that I'd read through the whole Bible in, you know, a, a fairly short space of time. But, and that gave me a strong sense of what, you know, just in hindsight, looking back now, I realized that that really helped because my first Christian book was a was a Ellen G. White, The Great Controversy, which oh, to, turns out read, not you to. You read that as well. I, have, I, read that was my first. I read Climax of the Ages. Oh. <laughs> it's great. I loved it. All the martyr books. Oh, man. And I got so it, confused about Jesus' entrance <laughs> into the tabernacle in heaven in 1874. I still say to everyone, it's what gave me my love for church history, you know, that book. <laughs> You know, and probably sent me in a reformed trajectory, even from that early point. Because, yeah, she talks so well about, you know, all the reformers. And I was just psyched about the Reformation. Didn't know what it was, but you knew it was a good thing. And then, yeah, I just, the rest of the book got so weird that I think I just perceptually blocked it. You know, it just, it just, I didn't understand. So I thought I'll just put it in a, in a, so I was kind of kept safe. But then the other, the next one. Um, after yeah, you could tell, I just had this great Orthodox reading run after the Bible. But the next one was the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus, and I was thinking, wow. and I was reading it, and I remember thinking, this is so not what I 
expected from Jesus, you know, and I could have sworn he didn't go to India and, you know, yeah. and, and actually, I, I don't remember it saying anything about that. And how would he have even done that? And then just little, little moments like, like this, you know. Um, and he didn't kill kids for running into him in the street. Yeah, exactly. And you just sort of scratch your head. But you know, the interesting part was it it just didn't have any effect on me. You know, like I, mean, I had gone from death to life in reading the Bible. And, you know, yeah. it feels like I had been sort of riveted against the wall with these words, you know, and they just circulated through me. And then and then reading the queer and gospel, I didn't even try and rebut it or anything. I just it sort of dropped to the ground. I just didn't even... Yeah have any effects kind no of like yeah. yeah and so you know that on a sign just in it's all lessons in hindsight but it's just yeah it kind of in in sync with what we're saying now you just it's hard to see this at any level uh of of equivalence to the new testament and its quality and mm. and then it's theology of course i mean wow dude what, I, this is even bizarre for gnostic doctrine <laughs> you know um what are they even trying to do there <clears throat> what's their doctrine of God? What's their doctrine of the sinlessness of Christ is active and passive, passive obedience in order to be the lamb sacrificed for our sins. It's just not there. And then it's not there. It's all about this mystical being who is going to, yeah. through esoteric means, reveal a this kind of disguised uh, demigod walking amongst us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All he's doing here is showing he's otherworldly and that, you know, those who, who enter his clandestine movement <clears throat> are, are going to be in the know. That's it. And I suppose for, to that end, it, it kind of serves its purpose. But um, interesting. What else did you want to look at? In the- yeah, so I mean, um, just another aspect of the uh, docetic tendencies. I was thinking uh, if we read 14 and 15, mm. one of the other things that the Gnostics would, you know, as they, uh, a Gnostic perception of Christology is this one who just automatically knows without learning. Yes. And the, they, they present Jesus as this God in the flesh who just, you know, he just automatically knows stuff. Yeah. Whereas our understanding of Christ's humanity is that he would have had to learn his ABCs. He would have had to learn to, how to eat peas off a fork. Mm. You know, he would have had to learn all sorts of things in the ordinary human way without having this inside line. And yes. even during the Gospels, when he does have an inside line, it's as any other prophet would. Yes. Because he had the spirit without measure. It's not because he was constantly tapping into his omniscience. Yeah. Exactly. It was independence upon the spirit. Such an so important this just presents, part. This presents just such a different picture. Of oh, that. man. Yeah. I mean, look, and, and again, at a superficial level, you might sort of entertain a few of these points. But but um, as soon as you start getting to any level of depth in terms of theology, which is why, again, maybe it's a real plug for studying theology, isn't it? You know, you want to yeah. you want to really see the system of the New Testament and what it's saying about Christ. And then and then this just you know, just will not get in, you know, it's not, it's not even an option. So cool. 14 and 15. 14 and 15. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is Jesus now under tutors, tutor A and tutor B. Okay. So 14 is about what happened to the first tutor and, and 15 is about what happened to the second tutor. Okay. So it reads, but when Joseph saw the understanding of the child and his age and that it was coming to the full, he thought with himself again, that he should not be ignorant of letters. And he took him and delivered him to another teacher. And the teacher said unto Joseph, First will I teach him the Greek letters, and after that the Hebrew. For the teacher knew the skill of the child and was afraid of him. Notwithstanding, he wrote the alphabet, and Jesus pondered thereon a long time and answered him not. And Jesus said to him, If thou be indeed a teacher, and if thou knowest letters well, tell me the power of the alpha, and then I will tell thee the power of the beta. 
And the teacher was provoked and smote him on the head. And the young child was hurt and cursed him. And straightway he fainted and fell to the ground on his face. And the child returned unto the house of Joseph. And Joseph was grieved and commanded his mother, saying, Let him not forth without the door, for all they die that provoke him to wrath. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's crazy. It's like, tell me the power of the alpha. Yeah. And I'll tell you the power of the beta. Oh, so that's the Gnostic thing there, you know, the, yes. the, the understanding the power of the letter of the yes. alphabet and what it means. And totally. you know, there's this hidden Almost mystery. Almost Kabbalah in Greek form. Yeah, totally. So yeah. It's, this is not Christianity at all. It's some mm. other mystery type religion stuff mm. coming through. Mm. So that's, that's teacher number one. <laughs> he fell down on his face. <laughs> Let's read teacher number two. <laughs> right. And after some time, yet another teacher, which was a faithful friend of Joseph, said to him, Bring the young child unto me to the school. The school, peradventure, I may be able by cockering him to teach him the letters. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, that's the translator's fault. That's, I'm not yeah. going to put that on the nasty. <laughs> and, G- and Joseph said, "If thou hast no fear, my brother, take him with thee." And he took him with him in fear and much trouble of spirit. But the young child followed him gladly. And going with boldness into the school, he found a book lying upon the pulpit, and he took it and read, not the letters that were therein, but opened his mouth and spake by the Holy Spirit, and taught the law to them that stood by. And a great multitude came together and stood there hearkening, and marveled at the beauty of his teaching and the readiness of his words, in that being an infant he uttered such things. But when Joseph heard it, he was afraid and ran unto the school, thinking whether this teacher also were without skill or smitten with infirmity. But the teacher said unto Joseph, Know, my brother, that I received this child for a disciple, but he is full of grace and wisdom. And now I beseech thee, brother, take him unto thine house. And when the young child heard that, he smiled upon him and said, For as much as thou hast said well and hast borne right witness, for thy sake shall he also that was smitten be healed. And forthwith the other teacher was healed, and Joseph took the young child and departed unto his house. Wow. It's just legend gobbledygook, isn't it? It, it actually just uh, reminds me so much of the Quran, actually. When you, you're in, you read like that, the the Muhammad thing, and um, this and that's happening, and it's just that bizarre. If I'm not mistaken, I think the story of the, uh, the sparrows yes. is part of the Quran. Yeah. Right. So he totally. was, because was, uh, Muhammad couldn't read or write, yeah. and he was on a major trade route, and so he would get things through yes. in oral form. And yeah. he would meet all sorts of different groups, heretics, people who exalted Mary and so on, people with bad Trinitarian doctrine. Mm. And it seems that he was exposed to groups that read the gospel, the infancy gospel of Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, crazy. And so, okay, what's out the window over here? The humanity of Christ, again, is just absolutely totally gone. gone. Yeah, and we're not even, yeah. we're not even there anymore. Um, at least it's good to see that, you know, uh, Joseph gets a break and, you know, gets to be proud of his kid for <laughs> once. That's good because uh, poor Joseph is taking strain there. Yeah, we but, might have to read one of the uh, apocryphal ones where why Joseph died, you know, because we're answering all the unanswered questions through these apocryphal writings. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's such blasphemy, though, isn't it? I mean, it's total, just total ridiculous. I mean, like whoever came just up look with at, this. Look at how the gospel. Look at look at how this this uh, infancy gospel ends. 
So the last chapter, 19, tell yeah. me if you recognize this. Okay. And when he was 12 years old, his parents went according to the custom unto Jerusalem to the feast of the Passover with their company. And after the Passover, they returned to go unto their house. And as they returned, the child Jesus went back to Jerusalem. But his parents supposed that he was in their company. And when they had gone a day's journey, they sought him among their kinsfolk. And when they found him not, they were troubled and returned again to the city seeking him. And after the third day, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors and hearing and asking them questions. And all the men paid heed to him and marveled how that being a young child, he put to silence the elders and teachers of the people, expounding the heads of the law and the parables of the prophets. And his mother Mary came near and said unto him, Child, wherefore hast thou so done unto us? Behold, we have sought thee sorrowing. And Jesus said unto them, Why seek ye me? Know ye, know ye not that I must be in my father's house? But the scribes and Pharisees said, Art thou the mother of this child? And she said, I am. And they said unto her, Blessed art thou among women, because God hath blessed the fruit of thy womb. For such glory and such excellence and wisdom we have neither seen nor heard at any time. And Jesus arose and followed his mother and was subject unto his parents. But his mother kept in mind all that came to pass. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and grace. And to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm, interesting. And that's yeah. the end of it. Wow. But you can see there, it's just a blatant borrowing yeah. from Luke chapter 2. Totally, totally. Total blatant borrowing. Before plagiarism. And that's the way they try and legitimize uh, their own writings. Yeah. It's pretty blasphemous. I mean, is that adding to the word of God? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Wow. I mean... You, you sort of get a sense of why it is that, that John was so quick to talk about this in terms of antichrist forms, you know? Yeah. Um, this is not, this is not friendly to Christianity. It's not friendly to the person of Christ. It's, it's, it's the most diabolical manipulation of, yeah. uh, of what, who Christ is represented, you know, as, and the earliest Christians did speak out against this, this book in particular, right. it is quoted the alpha and the beta part is quoted uh -huh. and it's, it's 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 seen as a heretical work. Totally. So. Well, there we go. Has this um, has the infancy gospel made it in any popular kind of I don't know movies or um, I'm thinking like the the uh, Divinity Code um, equivalent. I don't think so. Yeah. Not, well, not to my knowledge. Yeah. Right. It feels like there's something um, well, apart from the Quran. <laughs> yeah. True. There we go. That's probably what I was thinking of. Uh, but there we go. So there's the infancy gospel. Of, of Thomas. Mm. Oh, wow. This website actually says the infancy gospel of James. I've just noticed that. Weird. Yep. There's another one. Yeah. Okay. Well, th that's the one I was reading. It's, it's word for word the same as what you were reading. Oh, then maybe it's MR James, translated by MR oh, James. Oh, yeah. Weird. I think they probably just mis misprinted this. Uh, is there another infancy gospel of James, though? Um, I'll t I've got, in this book here, it's, I've got about a 400 page book here. Wow. So there's. Um, Infancy Gospels, the Book of James or the Proto-Evangelium, okay. Gospel of Thomas, Greek text A, B, and the Latin text, Appendices to the Gospel of Thomas, hmm. from the Pista Sophia, Miracles of the Dyer, the Children in the Oven, the Boy in the, boy in the Tower, hmm. the Liber de Infantia, or the Gospel of Pseudo-Matthew, the Gospel of the Birth of Mary, the Arabic Gospel of the Infancy, the Armenian Gospel of the Infancy, the History of Joseph the Carpenter, or the Death of Joseph, and on and on. Cool. Well, it looks like most of those are on this website, so that's good. Uh, that'll be a helpful resource as we go forward from this point. Um, 
But uh, yeah, there we go. Hopefully that's helpful to you just at least. Uh, it really does show. Just go and read it, you know. Just uh, it doesn't take that long. We've got the internet no. now. Uh, there's really no reason to just be, uh, you know, befuddled about this stuff. It's seriously just not going to lead you astray, you know. Um, and it, it really just debunks usually usually all those. Um, I realize this might not have made it into popular culture quite as much, but when everyone makes a, a claim, you know, about these Gnostic writings, you know, you can just go ahead and read them and uh, see for yourself if, if there is anything there. Um, and uh, yeah, any level of Christian doctrine will, will, will show you uh, fairly quickly that that is just out of sync with, with everything to do with anything sacred about Jesus and the Christian tradition. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, there we go. Hopefully that's a, that's a, we're on Friday. There's some infancy gospel. Take you through to Saturday. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Cheers.